Amen. Thank you for so faithfully leading us again through this Lenten period. There's been powerful prayers of repentance that have kind of prepared our hearts for the receiving of the word that he has been bringing to us through these last couple of months. We're, we're coming to the close of the sermon series that we began uh, just before Lent began called Apostello, which means literally to be sent. Our key scripture here has been Luke 9, 1 and 2, where he called the twelve together and gave them authority over all demons to cure diseases and sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And so over these last couple of months, as we have been looking into the word, we have been discovering what it means, what it looks like to be sent, how we go, why we go, what we go with, the posture and attitudes of our hearts as we go, the things that he has invited us into. And sort of as a guide along this journey, um, we've been looking through, uh, and I don't have my copy with me right here this morning, uh, the Tangible Kingdom Primer, which has served sort of as an, an outline, given us a a structure, a way to enter into this conversa- conversation together. <coughs> Excuse me. i got to get my uh, voice here. <sighs> so, um, and so it's given us a way to look at that. And this morning, um, we've entitled the message, Becoming an Apprentice. Becoming an Apprentice. Hallelujah. I know we have already prayed, but could we pray again and invite the Lord here with us now? Jesus, as we just prayed, we do not want to simply be hearers of the word, but doers. Lord, let this be more than information. We ask for transformation in our lives. Lord Jesus, come, meet us here now. Meet with us, speak to us, Lord. Lift off and contend with any spirit of lethargy within us any spirit of complacency, any place, Lord God, where we would even subconsciously resist you. Lord, we welcome your double-edged sword to come in and pierce even to the dividing of our soul and marrow. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Come and be with us now as we listen together to you, the living word, living, active, penetrating word. Come. In Jesus' name, amen. By the way, for those of you that don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Jim. Some of you have been visiting the last three weeks, and you're like, who is this guy standing up? I have not heard him speak yet. So um, I have the privilege of serving as a senior pastor here at Bethel Christian Fellowship, and uh, the last few weeks I've been doing some travel. I was here a couple weeks ago when Bob Finke was with us, but uh, before that at our church in Chetek, Wisconsin, and most recently last weekend, Annette and I did a marriage retreat for our sister church, uh, Valley Christian Church in Breckenridge, and so... Uh, Thank you for those of you that have been participating and helping the flow of life here in my absence over these weekends, and uh, I'm really happy to be back. I was telling Pastor Ben earlier this week, I kind of like can't wait to preach. It's been a while, so it's been like a month since I've had an opportunity to preach. So I am excited to share with you, and the word that I have for you this morning is one that is very, very close to my heart, and it's really in line with what Katie was sharing with us earlier and her work in terms of over in Indonesia with Bethany College of Missions and internship. Katie grew up here uh, in this church from the time of like junior high on, 
And uh, so her, uh, her DNA was uh, shaped here in this house, and it's so exciting to see that being passed on and, uh, and, and moved forward. And so we're just grateful for that. And uh, many of you know that we have a leader in training apprenticeship program here at Bethel. We have about 10 apprentices in our program right now. And uh, God is at work among them. And so it's, I always tell people it's like the funnest thing that I get to do uh, at this stage in ministry and life is working with our apprentices. I just adore them. They're fabulous young men and women that God is raising up in leadership. And so, um, but this apprenticeship concept is not simply something for a particular program or for a particular nation or for some particular, it's, this is the Christian life, all right? And so in the Tangible Kingdom Primer, there is this definition, and I want you to hear it and listen to it carefully. In our modern era, we have, in many instances, reduced the discipleship process to a passive act of being taught about Jesus or studying others in history that have modeled true discipleship. This gap between learning and action has handicapped the modern church by producing passive disciples. We've taken discipleship off the streets and brought it into the classroom and the church pew. While it is good to learn about becoming a disciple, there is significantly more that can only be understood through practice. In order to re-engage the discipleship process, we need to look at another word that better captures the essence of discipleship today, and that word is apprenticeship. Now, our next sermon series, Pastor Sam and I will be presenting and bringing to the body starting immediately after Easter on April 7th, is entitled Praxis, which we just decided, I guess this is the year of Greek word titled Messages, um, sermon series, which means has to do with function. And we're going to be looking at this in great depth of how, because we, you know, this is a year to engage. We really do want to engage ourselves individually and corporately into the calling and purposes and destiny and function that God has for each of us. And so um, this message this morning is, in a sense, a setup to what we're going to be unfolding in greater depth over the next several weeks between Easter and Pentecost. And so I um, just want to encourage you now to kind of be preparing your heart in that direction. Now, how many of you have ever heard of the book, The Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman? A couple of you have heard of that? Okay, great. Well, uh, for those of you that have heard of that book, the outline of today's message is going to look familiar because basically taking the, the structure of that book as kind of a framework for talking about this issue of apprenticeship this morning. Because really, that book, The Master Plan of Evangelism, is about becoming an apprentice of the Lord and how Jesus did his work of, of apprenticeship with the disciples and how he began the, the whole birthing of the, you know, the Christian movement obviously flows out of Christ, out of Jesus. So it's important to understand how he did it, how his heart worked, so that we can hook and connect into that. Not only remember it, but also begin to act on it. We need to do and understand both. So let's begin, and there are 
uh, seven points that we're going to be looking at. So if you're keeping score at home in your notes, uh, you're going to be writing down seven words, all right? And these seven words are going to help frame this concept of apprenticeship and give you some deeper understanding of what this means. Now, again, this isn't just information, but this is an invitation to transformation because God wants to use you as his apprentice. All right, it begins with selection. Selection. Now, how many times in the scriptures does it talk about God choosing us? Many, many, many times. One of the key scriptures for this, and several of the scriptures that we're going to be looking at today, by the way, come out of the latter uh, chapters in the Gospel of John when Jesus was instructing his disciples shortly before he died. All right, and so, so we're looking at some of the last words that Jesus brought to his apprentices, to his disciples. And so these are important for us to hear. Okay? They're not only the red-letter words in your Bible, they're also the words that Jesus had on his heart during those final days of his life. In John 15, verse 16, Jesus says these incredible words. Listen to them. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, I don't know what that does for you, but that just, that reframes everything. You didn't choose him, he chose you. What an incredible honor. What a, what a, there's an incredible, I don't know, weight, a, a substance, a, a security, a stability that comes when you recognize it wasn't like just my, you know, groping around and I just happened to reach out and, and, and grab hold of him, but he was there all along reaching out to choose you. But not only that, and here's the, here's, already we're setting up for the last section, and we're going to, I'll preach on that more when we get to point seven. But I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. I've commissioned you for a purpose. I chose you for a reason. And that reason was to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Now that whatever you ask in my name doesn't really have to do with, like, material goodies. Ooh. The vending machine God. No. It's so that whatever you ask in terms of as it relates to the purposes and, and, and promises of his kingdom, that those things, the fruitfulness, the fruit that will last, if you're asking for anything, ask for that. Ask for fruit that will last through your life. Ask for a legacy through your life. I chose you. You didn't Choose me. But you're saying to yourself this morning, but, <laughs> Pastor, you don't know me. 
you don't know, you got no idea what you're talking about because you don't know my life. And you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what it really looks like. Well, here's the good news. Jesus isn't really nervous about that. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called, when you were chosen. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. So, Anybody out here weak, foolish? (laughs) You are qualified to be an apprentice. The very first teaching I do in our apprenticeship program when we go through, I teach leadership principles once a month to our our lit apprentices. And the first one, I ask ask this question. I say, um, if you look at all of the leaders in the Bible and you do a study of all of the leaders that, you know, there's men, women, young, old, all kinds of different cultures. What's the one thing that is common among all of those believers? What's the, all of those leaders, what is the one thing that they share in common? What's that? Brokenness. The one thing they share in common is a profound awareness of their own inadequacy. A profound awareness of their own inadequacy. So if you're profoundly aware of your own inadequacy, you're qualified. See, we look at different things. We've got a whole different, we've got a whole different thing going on in our heads when it comes to thinking about, when we're thinking about being an apprentice. We're looking through worldly standards. I, I, There was a memo that was found many years ago um, written to Jesus. Um, And the memo says, To Jesus, son of Joseph, company the woodcrafter's carpenter shop in Nazareth from the Jordan management consultants in Jerusalem. And the subject was a management report. Thank you for submitting the resumes of the 12 men you've picked for managerial positions in your new organization. All of them have now taken our battery of tests, and we have not only and um, we have not only run the results through our computers, but have also arranged personal interviews for each of them with our psychologist and vocational aptitude consultant. In the opinion of the staff, it is the opinion of the staff that most of your nominees are lacking in background education and vocational aptitude for the type of enterprise you are undertaking. They do not have the team concept, and we would recommend that you continue your search for persons of experience in managerial ability and proven capacity. We have summarized the findings of our study below. Simon Peter is emotional, unstable, and given to fits of temper. Andrew has absolutely no quality of leadership. The two brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, place personal interests above company loyalty. Thomas demonstrates a questioning attitude that would tend to undermine morale. We believe it is our duty to tell you that Matthew has been blacklisted by the Greater Jerusalem Better Business Bureau. James, the son of Alphaeus, 
and Thaddeus definitely have radical leanings. Additionally, they both registered high scores on the manic depressive scale. However, one of the candidates shows great potential. He's a man of ability and resourcefulness, a great networker, has a keen business mind, and has strong contacts in influential circles. He's highly motivated, very ambitious, and adept with financial matters. We recommend Judas Iscariot as your controller and chief operating officer. All the other profiles are self-explanatory. We wish you the utmost success in your new venture. Jesus had a whole different way of seeing, didn't he, than we do? So the first thing in understanding this concept of apprenticeship is this. Jesus' method of kingdom advancement is developing people, not programs. He's interested in you even before he's interested in what you are going to do. He's interested in helping you become all you are called to be so that you can step into the fullness of that calling. But he begins with you. Developing people before programs. That's Jesus' method. Okay, the second is association. Association. Through the last couple of sermon series, we've come to this passage a couple of times. I'm going to bring it to you again from Mark chapter 3. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those that he wanted, those he had selected. So there's selection and now there's association. And they came to him and he appointed 12 that they might be what? Hello? He appointed 12 that they might be? I still, some of you, I did not hear. He appointed them, he appointed 12 that they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. So the authority flowed out of what? Being with him. Did you know this? Jesus is madly in love with you and loves to spend time with you. He's longing to be with you. And as an apprentice, his invitation is to come and be with him. As it says in John 15, again, these last words of Jesus, when the advocate comes, who is the advocate? When the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus says in this whole passage, he's talking about him going away. He talks about choosing them. He's talking about here. He says, when the Advocate comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, whom I'm going to send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. You've been with me from the beginning. In your bulletin this morning, the scripture that is is written there is from Acts 4.13, one of my favorite scriptures after James and John have been, or I'm sorry, after Peter and John 
have, have done an amazing healing and they get called before the chief mucky mucks and they're there before the Sanhedrin and, and, and they're on trial. And, and here's what they said when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, how would you have done it if you were Jesus and you knew you only had three years on earth? Perhaps you would have sought to build the biggest megachurch you possibly could. I mean, you know the multiplying loaves and bread, the walking on the water. I mean, you'd have video clips. You'd be out on God TV. You know, this would be the biggest news. You'd have massive crowds, right? I think that's what most of us would do, but what did Jesus do? He hung out with 12 guys. And as it got to the end of his life, watch this. And and the end of his life is very important. I mean, about half of the Gospels focus on the, the last, very, in fact, on the last week of Jesus' life, all right? And as it gets towards the end, the crowds fall away, and it comes down to the 12 and the 3. He's even among the 12, there's 3, and even among the 3, there's 1, there's Peter, well, and of course, there's John Lingham. You know, there, there's, I mean, Jesus' focus narrows and narrows. His association gets tighter and tighter and closer and closer because he wants to spend time with them. Guess what? He wants to spend time with you. Do people take note of our lives that we've been with Jesus? What's rubbing off of us? Well, who you hang out with hanging out with Jesus. So apprentices, listen, here's kind of the takeaway, are known not by outward conformity to certain rules, but rather by being with him, being with Jesus. This is one of the things that the, the, the tangible kingdom, both the primer and the book, are kind of the wrestling, it's wrestling with our mindsets because many of us, have grown up thinking of discipleship as a set of knowledge that we have and a, and a set of, of outward behaviors to which we conform. And that's the way that we measure our spiritual maturity. But actually, our spiritual maturity needs to be measured by our intimacy with Christ. Our spiritual maturity is measured by our friendship with him and his shaping in our lives of our attitude and character and actions and behaviors. Yes, all of those things, but they're flowing out of connection to the vine. We're the, he's the vine, we're the branches. Am I making sense this morning? Y'all are really quiet, so you can talk to me. Is this making sense so far? Okay. We'll keep going then. All right. The third piece here is that of consecration. Now, consecration or sanctification is an unusual word because we, I don't think we fully understand what sanctification or consecration truly means. Anybody got, I've used this illustration before, but anybody have a comb? 
Anybody have a comb? You can lend me a comb. A comb. All right. There we go. Thank you, Mr. Mike. All right. A comb. All right. So here's a comb. It's an ordinary comb. Very nice. Long yellow comb. All right. Um, My head doesn't see these very often um, at all. But how on earth can this comb be consecrated or sanctified, in other words? How, How can it be sanctified? By using it. There it is. By using it. How does it get sanctified? It gets sanctified when it goes through hair. It gets sanctified when it gets used for the purpose for which it has been intended. That's how sanctification, that's how consecration works. Consecration has to do with our being used for the purpose to which he has created us. That's the process of consecration. Our scripture here from John 8, to the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free to what? Free to be all that you are created to be. Free to walk in the fullness of his truth. So that's what we're looking at for consecration. We're looking at Jesus bringing us fully into the destiny for which he has created us. Or as it says in John 14, here we are back in the closing scriptures of John 14, of, of, of the Gospel of John. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. But listen carefully, here's the point. Well, John Romans 12, we've, we've shared this scripture many times. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, that this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Here's the takeaway. As we apprentice with Jesus, he invites us into a transformation process which will be marked by obedience, not performance. Sometimes those things look externally similar. I'm here to tell you that they are actually very different. If you want fruit that will last, pursue obedience. If you want artificial fruit that will molder and, and, and decay and, and will, will just pass away, then go after performance. I've done the performance route. It's exhausting. <laughs> and it doesn't work very well, and it certainly isn't sustainable. It's just not sustainable. Performance is not sustainable because it is foundationally underneath. It has to do with what I'm doing to please God. Fundamentally, it's rooted in legalism. Not truth. Do you understand this? I'm, I'm, 
sharing concepts that are fairly intuitive and they're, 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 you know, they're things that I've been on a lifelong journey to understand. So if you're not quite fully getting it yet, welcome, join me, please, in the journey of discovery. But I want you to know that Jesus invites us as apprentices. The consecration is to a place of obedience. In, uh, obedience, not simply to conformity to a set of rules and rituals, but actually transformity into him. New word, transformity. Different than conformity. We're not conforming to a set of, our, of, of external things, as we talked about just a moment ago, but we are being transformed to become more like him. I want my life to reflect him. And when I do that, when that happens, that's when consecration unfolds. That's what it means to be consecrated, to be obedient and transformed by him. And it comes out of knowing the truth and having the truth set you free. The more the truth sets you free, the more consecrated, the more fully you will enter into this. Okay, we've got to move on. Impartation. Okay? We're at the tipping point. More than halfway here. All right. Impartation. John 7, Jesus comes into the temple area and he makes an announcement. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So there's going to be a river of life that's going to flow through you. And again, in John 15... In verse 15, one of my very favorite scriptures of all is this. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. So again, let me be very clear. Apprenticeship is not about the gaining of more information. You can quote the 66 books of the Bible... You can tell me how many chapters there are in each of those books. You can have all kinds of information about obscure things or whatever. And all of that can be helpful. But all of that ultimately is just information. If it is only that, it is lacking. Because what Jesus is really after in your and my life is an impartation. He wants to impart to us by his spirit the power to change our lives as well as the power to become change agents, to be catalysts of change in those around us. You see, as an apprentice, we are to have the life of the Spirit flowing in us and through us. Because if it's not flowing through you, you will become simply a stagnant pond. Have you ever seen a pond where there's you know, there's an entry, there's, there's water flowing into it, but there's no exit, there's no place for that water to go. It soon becomes dead, decaying, dying. Pool, pond, scum, yuck, eee. There's no life in it. There's only life when there's outflow. That's why, you know, 
let me say something really direct. Coming to church, singing some songs, sitting and listening. And in, it, it, at Bethel, you know, you get to do that for two hours. So it's like you get comp time, okay? Um, you know, God, do you see how much I gave you of my week? I was there for two hours. Wow. Okay? That's, that's not being an apprentice. Coming and just soaking it all in. Isn't it wonderful? Mm-mm. This is for that. <laughs> it's for what's happening when you walk out of these doors. That's why it says up here, called to be a house of prayer for all nations. And on the back it says, sent to make disciples of all nations. There's a calling and ascending. There's an impartation into for the purpose of releasing life through you. So that at work this week, it'll look different. He says, I've used that illustration many times because you're a thermostat, not a thermometer. You're not just simply recording the ambient temperature around you. You're changing it. That's impartation. All right. Starting to feel like preaching today. It's dangerous time. Okay. Demonstration. Demonstration. Apprenticeship includes demonstration. What, is, what do we mean? John 13, Jesus is having this meal with the disciples. Remember the setting, and it's the Last Supper, and they're there, and they come together, and Nobody's doing what they should have been doing. So Jesus takes off his outer robes and puts on a towel, and he comes and he washes their feet. And they have this ongoing conversation in the midst of that. The end of that is this. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. I am your teacher. I am your Lord. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you know about them. What did it say? I'm sorry. Did I just mistranslate that? You'll be blessed if what? If you do them. Bummer. You mean I got to actually do something with this? Huh. Really? Come on. Yeah? Jesus actually expects us to do something. We have a curious malady in 21st century culture. And I think it's worldwide, but it's very true here. And that is we think if we have information about something or know something about something, that we're actually doing something about it. That's not the case. It's one thing to know that upwards of 10 million people have died in the last several years of war in Congo. It's one thing to know that there are countless families who are going to be refugees 
out of that war. That's knowing something. Doing something is, is preparing for the 5,000 to 7,500 Congolese refugee families that are going to be arriving here. And Pastor Justin and the ICF preparing that with seeds, preparing to receive them in advance, that's actually doing something about the problem, the concern. See, kingdom principles and practices are not only taught, they're caught, they're when you do something about them. Jesus is demonstrating, he's showing them something, and it's not just simply do, not just simply hearing about them, but beginning to put them into practice. I was talking to my dad yesterday. Um, thank you for keeping them in prayer, and we're very grateful. They just got an apartment in a senior living housing uh, near Stillwater here, so they'll be moving up in about a month. Um, but I was talking to him yesterday. I wanted to ask him about his apprenticeship because I knew I was going to be preaching on apprenticeship. My dad was a die sinker, and uh, I won't explain all of what. He worked in a tool and die shop, and he worked there starting when he was a senior in high school is when he began an apprenticeship to become a die sinker. It's a seven-year process of becoming a die sinker, a very skilled trade. And um, so I was just talking to him about what that looked like. And it wasn't classroom. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, it was hands-on working with master folks. His father was also a die sinker. And interestingly enough, this was really kind of cool, was that the people that taught my dad, apprenticed my dad, were people that his dad had trained. So his dad trained folks who then trained my father in this trade. Kind of that Second Timothy 2, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. But that's the way, but it's caught, not just taught. Delegation. This is how Jesus did apprenticeship. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two, ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go! I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Here he is. He's got his hand behind them and says, Go! You're going out. You're going to do it. You're taking it. You're moving forward. See, as apprentices, we represent, we represent Jesus and his kingdom wherever we go, knowing he is also going to those places. He's going there, and he's sending us. Jesus is already at work. In fact, he's probably gotten there before you did. He's already been preparing the soil. He's coming behind you. He's coming with you. He's sending you. Ask the Lord to send, you know, Isaiah 6. Who will go for us, and whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord, send me. Ask the Lord of the, of the harvest to send workers out. Well... Here we are. That's us. We're the ones that he's delegating this to in this apprenticeship. Last word. Reproduction. Here's where it's going. Oh, did you hear the scripture earlier? Did anybody hear this? John 15, 16. Anybody heard that earlier in the sermon? 
Yeah, I think it was. It was under the selection part, part I told you, gave you a heads up. Here it is, the bookend at the end. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. I've appointed you. Go. 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, 2, 1 and 2. You then, my son, Paul's talking to Timothy here, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will be qualified to what? To teach others. Here's the multiplication process. You see, the purpose of apprenticeship is kingdom multiplication. And it happens as disciples become disciplers. Here's how the multiplication happens when disciples become disciplers. This is his desire for us, that we would become, the Bethel Christian Fellowship would become a discipling congregation. Multiplication. This is where kingdom multiplication happens. Bob Finke spoke to us about it two weeks ago. It's been the theme coming that the Lord has continued to bring over and over again. So, what now? Some really quick action steps for you. Worship team, come on up while I share these. If you would. Thank you. Spend time with Jesus. Whoa, there's a revelation. All right. If apprenticeship is about being with him, then you've got to spend time with him. In the word, in prayer, in community, spend time with Jesus. Get to know him. Get to know what's in his heart. Receive his heart for you. Get on the pathway to life and joy. The pathway is our, is our discipleship process here at Bethel. There's the life path basic discipleship journey. There are one-on-one guidebooks, which I meant to bring out with me. They're sitting on my... Uh, uh, Marie, can you go right up onto my desk? There's some nice colorful guidebooks. I'll bring those out in just a moment and show you what those are. We have one-on-one guidebooks that are to be used one-on-one, surprisingly enough, with another person. You can walk them through with another person. This is a, a way of helping someone begin to walk in as an apprentice, as a disciple of the Lord. There are four of these guidebooks, and we have three of them produced. The first is Life with God, the second is Life in God's Family, and the third is Life in God's Kingdom, and the last one will be Life in God's Mission. So these four guidebooks are ways for you in this basic discipleship journey to be a disciple and to be a discipler. You can take the basic courses and encounters coming up Starting the second week of April, Pastor Sam and I are going to be teaching on Wednesday nights here a Life of Freedom course. This is the, one of the courses in this basic discipleship journey. There are also elective courses like the Parenting Teens course, which you can sign up. Annette and I are coming to this. We, we're still learning. We still have our, our boy just last Sunday. Did you know that? Noah became 13 last week, last Sunday. It's hard to believe he's 13. So my baby is a teenager, okay? But we're still learning. We're still growing, and we want to encourage and be with others. So if you're a, if you're a parent of a teenager or a teenager-to-be soon, 
come and join us together on this because we need each other. We really do as parents, all right? So there's these elective courses. You can start a Connect Transformation group. Are you interested in something? Is there a book that you've read, a, a Bible study that you're really interested in doing? If there's, there's, there's some interest that you have, you can start a Connect Transformation group with other people. Just let us know you're doing it just so we know what's happening. We just want to bless those things. But you can start a small group of people for the purpose of seeing ongoing transformation and join a Mosaic missional community. We have marvelous Mosaic missional communities here. This is a great way to go together on mission with other people. This is a way to activate, to move out into becoming an apprentice. And finally, look for opportunities to apprentice others. Just discover, how can I apprentice other people? What can I do? Who, who around you? You know, we've got many teachers, but not many fathers and mothers. This is like one of the most mature congregations in the Twin Cities in terms of people and their maturity level and the level of gifting and ability. It's incredible. Well, you know, that's because God's bringing us and going to bring us floods of people, <laughs> he already is, who need discipling, who need to be apprenticed as you have been. So don't hang on to your, don't live in a little tight little, oh man, <clears throat> okay, don't spend all of your energy conserving your energy. <laughs> Do not spend all your energy conserving your energy. Our culture is whacked out about that. I'm sorry, it's just whacked. We spend so much energy conserving our energy, and our stuff. <sighs> Open your heart. Start giving yourself away. And just watch what God will do. Open your wallet. Open your time. Open your calendar. Open your schedule. Open your heart. Open your home. Open your life. Come on. Right. Stand together, please. I'm not going to have any super fancy altar call here other than just, you know, you just want to take a step just to acknowledge that you really want to do this. Do you want to become an apprentice? And not only that, an apprenticer, not just a disciple, but a discipler. I'm going to pray a corporate blessing over the house because I believe this is for all of us. But if God specifically talked to you this morning about something, Sometimes just coming to the altar and making that tangible step and connect. There's nothing magical here. But it is saying, I want to be not just a hearer, but a doer. It can be, you know, you don't have to take. But if you feel drawn to do that, I invite you this morning. Maybe you've never taken the first step of becoming a disciple. And you want to come to Jesus this morning. Tom and Kathy are right here in front. They'd love to come and pray with you and lead you into this life experience that we're talking about. All right, we're going to sing this through. If you'd stay in the house until then, we're going to have a prayer. But if you want to come, come now, right now. Here we go. And just open your hands. Wow. This is a song that's really big. There's a whole lot of alls in here. 
maybe you're just like me and it's easier to sing than it is to do to lay it all there but just if you in that posture of at least openness to say Lord I believe help my unbelief I surrender all help me surrender all Jesus, hear our prayer this morning as a congregation and as brothers and sisters standing before you this morning in this house. We acknowledge today that we need your help to do the very thing that you've called us and chosen us to do. We're not smart enough, gifted enough, strong enough, talented enough, wealthy enough. We just don't got enough. But Jesus, you've got everything. So we invite you to come and impart to us that which we need to do, that which you've called us to. Individually and, and Lord, for sure as a house. You've called us to be a house of prayer for all nations. And Lord, we can't do this without you. It's much more than we can do. So we're asking for your help. Would you please come to us this day? And empower us into this call. Flood and fill everyone here at this altar right now with your presence, with your power, with your peace. Every promise, God, come. Each one in this building, each one who will hear this message, come, Lord, flood and fill. Let those rivers of living water flow through us, bringing life into a desperately thirsty, parched, starving world. It's in such drought. And now, may you be filled afresh even this very day with hands open. May you be filled afresh with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, with the inexhaustible strength, power, comfort, and hope of the Holy Spirit to be with you and yours as you go from this house to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations. Until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home. Go with the banner of his favor and blessing over your life. And may his goodness and mercy chase you down each and every day. Go in his grace and goodness. Go as an apprentice. Go and make apprentices. Go. You're being sent into this world in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord Amen